Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, November 29th, 2022, the 678th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, listen to the show for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all of the links to the podcast, the social media, the writing, and of course, the merch site, cancelcotour.com by going to linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So Elon Musk's battle for free speech on the internet continues. He was on a tear yesterday in the afternoon. And again, I know you're probably thinking, oh, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter again. And if you feel that way, I really am sorry. And I get it that a lot of people aren't on Twitter or active on Twitter, and they don't entirely understand why Twitter is important. Why aren't we talking about other issues? Totally get it. I totally get it. But from my perspective and from the perspective of this show, as it has gone for the last almost three years now, my primary focus is always the awakening and whatever pushes the awakening further, because that is when we can actually fix everything. We can focus on the individual issues and fixing individual issues. And I hope everybody's doing that to the best of their ability. I'm not in any way discouraging you from getting involved in your friend circle with your family, in your local community, in your elections, in your city council, on your school board. All of those things are absolutely wonderful. And I don't want to distract you from any of those things. But I've also said since 
probably about January 20th, 2021, that we basically need to constantly focus on two tracks at once. Okay. There's the very real, very practical track where you get involved in the community. You push your lawmakers, even the ones who might be sitting illegitimately to do their job as the law requires to encourage your school boards to do away with the critical race agenda and the gender agenda to push for reviews of our elections and our election laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. There is so much that needs to be done. And all of that stuff is not going to get done if we just sit back and assume that it's all going to eventually be taken care of. At the same time, it's also good to know that there is a path toward that outcome. And the path toward that outcome requires people to awaken to the fact that they've been lied to about pretty much everything from the moment they were born up till right now. Our society is not what we've been told it is. Our country is not what we've been told it is. When we all figure that out collectively, it's going to become far easier to fix these things that we're talking about on the local level, on the state level, on the national level, the real practical stuff. And when we reach that point, all the groundwork that will have been done for the last couple of years on that real practical stuff, well, that's all going to see the payoff that has been demanded and pressed for this entire time. And so you can think that we're going to fix everything in one way or the other way, but the truth is we really do need both, and so we need to be focused on both. And the way to get to that point of awakening, to that point of understanding where everything we know about our culture is a lie, we need free speech. If free speech returns to the internet, let's say before the Georgia runoff next Tuesday, what is that going to look like? Right now in Arizona, Carrie Lake is still contesting her election. Cochise County has refused to certify. The state is suing Cochise, trying to make them certify. And we'll get to some more Arizona a little later on. But we're about to see one Senate runoff in Georgia next Tuesday with nothing else going on. The country's not going to be focused on any other elections. Now, is the regime going to pull off a false flag that's going to distract everybody's attention? I'm sure they would like to. If something dramatic comes out on Friday or over the weekend, you can assume that the intent of that story is to distract people from the election in Georgia on Tuesday. Now, are we going to see the level of manipulation in Georgia's runoff election on Tuesday that we have seen in elections around the country in the midterms? And are people going to be looking at that with new eyes, seeing now that all those claims in 2020, well, that wasn't people telling the big lie. That wasn't election denial. That was real people having real problems with how the elections are handled because they can see the fraud inherent in the system. And I've always said that I believe that full exposure of election fraud and what that system really is, what that system is designed to do, and how it makes us think of ourselves and our society as a result, that's one of the most mind-blowing things that people are going to eventually have to come to terms with. At that point, I believe that many people, not everybody, it's never going to be everybody, all right? And it's never going to be the media. They're always going to push back. And people who are obsessed with the media and addicted to the central narrative, they're going to push back too. Ignore them. It's about the people who are realizing for the first time that something is very, very wrong. I talked to a friend of mine in Los Angeles yesterday. He's a few years younger than me. He's still on legacy social media. He's on Instagram. He still ends up interacting, passing people in public, seeing them on social media, many of my former friends. And he called me specifically about the Balenciaga ads. Like, can you believe this? I mean, he knows, by the way, we talked about many things over the course 
of many years. He knows where I stand. I know where he stands. He's like, you got to be pretty happy that this stuff is finally reaching the public understanding. And I said, yep, that's exactly right, man. Are people pushing back on this? Are people saying, oh, hey, well, you know, it's just like it's art. They can do whatever they want. That's the point of art. It's supposed to like shock and offend a little bit. Nope. People aren't saying that. It's actually too culturally dangerous to stand up for those Balenciaga ads. And that is pretty amazing. That's some pretty serious progress over the last few years in terms of people waking up and really deciding what's right and what's wrong. People in that position in Los Angeles, they think that Balenciaga is a luxury brand. All the Instagram models there, they want to have Balenciaga in their pictures. They want to endorse Balenciaga products. They want to associate themselves and create their own personal brands based on luxury brands like Balenciaga. So when those people see an ad like that and they realize that they can't defend this any longer, well, now they're finally making, even if it's shame-based, and they are just too scared to go forward with what they really believe, they're at least on some level making a moral value and understanding, oh man, maybe they went too far this time. I wonder what that means. And I get it, okay? Your response is to be like, okay, but that is the most obvious example of a very deep-seated pedophilia problem in not only Hollywood, but in elite society. And I would absolutely agree with you. But the point here is not that the problem is immediately solved. It's that all of these people, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, is it millions? Is it millions of people who have now been forced to reckon with the fact that this thing is real and people weren't simply making it up? There's no good explanation for how all of that ended up in a Balenciaga ad. And it got through to the point where it was up online and people saw it. Andrew Tate made a great point about what this Balenciaga ad is and represents and its function. And it's worth sharing. What are the statistical odds of repeated references to pedophilia being included in multiple advertisement campaigns for one particular brand? Basically, completely impossible. This is very, very purposeful. And they've done it because they're trying to give you hints and trying to normalize and show you and tell you what they do. They're doing this because of karmic retribution. Satanists believe if they tell you what they're doing, if they make their intentions clear and you still adhere to them, that they are no longer responsible for the negative consequences of them. That is karmic retribution. I'll give an example. If I have a stall of poisoned apples and I put up a sign that says apples and you buy one, I've poisoned you. But if I have a stall of poisoned apples and I put up a sign that says poison apples and you buy one. Now you've committed suicide. I have not poisoned you. You have committed suicide. If you know what I am doing, if you know what I am selling and you still comply and adhere, you are basically saying that all the consequences are erased. That's how karmic retribution works in the satanic world. They are making it extremely clear to you on purpose, little by little, trying to show the world they are pedophilic because that way they will not be punished in the eyes of their God for their crimes. This is not just strange, unusual, some kind of coincidence, no. This is elites telling you that they are absolutely and utterly pedophiles and they are here to see if you are complicit in the actions themselves. Now that you understand that, the question is, what are you really gonna do about it? Boycotting Ben Salanciaga is a fantastic start, sure, but it's the very, very tip of an iceberg and it's a very, very deep and scary rabbit hole. And when you truly understand who is running the world, and you truly understand how fucked up this world is, then you're going to find out that a larger change than boycotting one particular brand is needed. So I'm sorry if that was a bit muddled and difficult to hear. He recorded a video while traveling in a car, and so you get some of the car sound in the background. Apologies. Also, I don't care what anybody thinks of Andrew Tate. Remove Andrew Tate and just listen to the message if Andrew Tate bothers you in some way. The message about karmic retribution is important. He's saying that these people 
are asking for permission. And if you're willing to look the other way, if you're willing to argue in defense of what they're doing, then you have granted them permission to do it. You have granted your permission for them to do it. And so we see examples like this just arising in the world pretty constantly. And obviously not just in this domain when we're talking about elite exploitation of children and pedophilia, but we see it across the board. And when people finally wake up, that's when they retract their consent and they say no. And for many of these people, they're saying no for the first time. They went along with all of it and they've argued for every little bit of it because their tribe was doing it and they were told they believed they incorporated the lie into their very identity that their tribe would never lead them astray. Their tribe always represented the science. They had all the experts on their side. Experts on the other side are no longer experts. Now they're conspiracy theorists. And yes, it's taken way too long. But if normies in Hollywood are realizing that things have gone too far, we're getting really close. And I know that that doesn't pay the bills for you and it doesn't make food or gas cheaper and it doesn't undo all the injustices that have been inflicted on you and the suffering. I understand that it doesn't fix all those things. But this is a positive step forward toward that moment where people are finally on the same page and they're actually viewing reality as it exists. And that moment is coming. And what's going to speed it along is the removal of censorship from legacy social media and from the Internet at large. Maybe the focus will be on Twitter for a few days or a few weeks after things really open up in terms of free speech on there. But eventually, it's going to affect the rest of the Internet. The whole point of the propaganda and censorship regime is to make sure that only one narrative is pushed. And as I talked about yesterday, they're happy to market it to different sides. MSNBC tells the central narrative to progressives. CNN tells the central narrative to people who think they're in the middle. And Fox News tells the central narrative to people who think that they're really on the right, even though all those groups of people are just normies who aren't awake at all. And that's why they're getting their news from the television and why they don't have any beliefs that couldn't appear on the television. They make sure that none of their beliefs conflict with what the television says, because if they do, they know they can get in trouble. It's going to be an awful lot harder in the future for them to continue pulling off false flag events. Paul Pelosi hammer time, the fake missile attack in Poland that people use to try to start World War Three, the Colorado gay club shooter who turned out to be non-binary and not at all a MAGA extremist. These are stories that they hope to get a lot out of that were gone in a matter of hours or a couple of days. The Colorado Gay Club shooter was 10 days ago. It was last Saturday. And it's completely out of the news. The Walmart shooter, a couple days later after the non-binary thing, messed up the gay club shooter story. Well, it turned out that that guy wasn't white. So that story was gone before the end of the day that the story came out on. So we talked about how it seems like Apple and maybe Google are prepared to use their app stores on phones that have their platform running as the operating system to remove Twitter from the app store so that people can no longer access the app and they would have to switch over to the web interface on their phone, which is actually just fine as an alternative, but people still won't want to do it. And they're actually depending on the people who use their products being so ignorant about how to use their products that they will just begin thinking that Twitter is no longer accessible to them. And it seems like they're making the calculation that if even 10% of Twitter's users were to stop using the platform because the app is no longer in the app store, that would somehow be worth it. They're that desperate to censor. They're going to take any opportunity 
they can. And so Elon Musk, as I said, was talking about a lot of this on Twitter yesterday. He called it a revolution against online censorship in America, and he seems to be prepared to lead that revolution. He wrote, why are so many in the media against free speech? This is messed up. And yeah, it's been messed up for years, Elon. Where have you been? He wrote the Twitter files on free speech suppression, soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. And that is magnificent. If we get to see what Twitter was doing in their censorship regime, the conversations around censoring Hunter Biden's laptop from the internet, saying that it might be hacked material, the conversations they had around COVID disinformation or misinformation, some of which we're already seeing. Obviously, some of that stuff has been foia It has come out. We've seen the government's involvement on multiple levels. There is a case active right now between the attorneys general of Missouri, Eric Schmidt and Louisiana, Jeff Landry, attempting to go after all of this. They deposed Anthony Fauci on Wednesday last week. They're trying to depose Jen Psaki, and she keeps trying as hard as she can to never sit for a deposition about her role in the censorship regime. But Twitter's not even enforcing their COVID misinformation policies anymore because it turns out all the things that they were labeling misinformation simply are not misinformation. They're all true, and they've been true all along. And now that that's gone, it becomes our responsibility to share the facts about COVID with people who may never have seen them before because of all the censorship. We need to be bringing the truth to people in giant waves now. We can do it. I'm not saying that you won't be censored anymore. Certainly not. I'm fairly certain I'm still shadow banned. There are all sorts of interactions on Twitter that the platform is not showing me, and it still does certainly seem to be promoting a particular political ideology still, but let's use whatever ground they cede to us. If there's not going to be COVID censorship anymore, then we need to run right up that lane and put out all the facts on COVID. Don't be scared of what the platform's going to do. Don't be scared of what your friends and family are going to think about your posts. Just post factual information. If they get upset, say, hey, I'm sorry this bothers you. It bothers you because you went along with this stuff the whole time. But I and many other people tried to tell you and you wanted me silenced. Except it turns out I was right and you still want me silenced. So what is your motivation? Because it's certainly not saving lives. You know, it's beginning to seem, Kami, like you just want me silenced. Elon Musk pointed out that he understands that the censorship was done in collusion with the government, his very own words. And he had a series of posts mentioning the fact that Apple and Google actually extract large fees from their app stores. If you pay 10 bucks a month for a subscription to some app, 30% of that goes to Apple, not because they helped make the app better or because they even really made it available to you, just because they have control over whether or not it is available to you and they can say no anytime they want. And that allows them to extract money that they haven't really done anything to earn. So not only do they force people into compliance with their rules, including their rules about censorship and what sorts of things are okay to say, what sorts of things are okay to platform on third party apps. They also just extract hefty sums for virtually nothing for the privilege of being in Apple's app store. And as they turn up the pressure, as they seem to be making it more likely that they will remove Twitter from the app store. Elon is going further to exposing all of this and people are beginning to understand exactly what Apple's app store is able to do. And these are all important parts of the process. Elon Musk, as he has been doing lately, put up a poll yesterday that said Apple should publish all censorship actions it has taken that affect its customers. Yes or no. There were about 2.28 million votes 
Yes, one, 84.7% to 15.3%. And who in the world are those 15.3% just truly committed communists? Perhaps people who love Apple so much that they don't want Apple to get in trouble. They don't want people to be mad at a corporation for censorship. So they just don't want the information at all. Let's just forget it forever so that no one will ever be mad at Apple. Elon Musk, of course, wrote the people have spoken. Now, it'll be interesting to see what influence he has, what ability he has to actually force Apple to put that information out. Perhaps he's talking about Apple's conversations with Twitter. I guess he would have access to those and it would be nice to see him put them out. But it's funny, isn't it? These 15.3% of people, maybe these are the sorts of people who would line up outside the Apple store and wait for hours in the rain to get the new iPhone or the new iPad or the new AirPods. But they also want to make it so that everybody votes on their phone because they don't want to have to go vote in person every couple of years and spend 10 or 20 minutes in line. You know, very responsible citizens. He left a couple of responses under posts of David Sachs. There were two interesting ones that caught my eye. He wrote, as long as tech MAGA, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Now that is a very interesting interpretation of MAGA. Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon. Beautiful have unlimited power to engage in bundling and to act as gatekeepers of competitive products, there cannot be a healthy startup ecosystem. And Elon responded, it's a real problem. Apple and Google effectively control access to most of the internet via their app stores. And he's right about that. But there's also a conversation to be had about Amazon Web Services. If you remember, that was part of what got Parler taken offline in the aftermath of the very violent insurrection last year. And there was one other post by David Sachs. With the possible exception of Microsoft in the late 90s, there has never been a tech monopoly as powerful as Apple. Its power is so feared that few application companies will dare to criticize Apple publicly, even though almost all privately voice similar concerns as Elon Musk, to which Elon responded, this is a serious problem. So again, consider the levels of what we're dealing with here in this censorship problem. We have, I guess, what you could kind of call more natural censorship, the idea that your culture, your society, your friend group, your family, your workplace might comply with or enforce certain norms about what acceptable conversation entails. There are certainly subjects, for instance, that you shouldn't be discussing at work, that you're more than welcome to be discussing at a bar. It's not censorship for you to understand that work is not the place for those conversations, but that's a formal environment. In a family setting or among friends, you might understand that saying certain things has the potential to offend certain people. And if those people are just militant communists, then they might try to make the situation very uncomfortable for you by implying that you have somehow victimized people they don't really know at all and don't want to know, but they're very certain that you have hurt those people. Now, those situations lead people towards self-censorship, which sometimes is just prudent, but if it's a constant thing, then it becomes oppressive. And that's when we get into cancel culture and shame mobs on Twitter. A lot of this stuff happens online and it intimidates people into silence because they don't want to spend the day hearing people call them dumb online. And hey, I get it. I'm not afflicted with that condition, but I certainly understand why people don't believe that that is their best use of their own time and energy. It's my personal position that all of the terrible views online actually do need some rather swift and harsh pushback. And I think that that's what's going to start happening as these accounts begin coming back online and a lot of that censorship is removed. 
Again, we need that counter narrative. We don't only need it in public. We need it in specific instances so that people begin to see, oh, hey, I can't just say a bunch of dumb nonsense online with no blowback. Maybe I'm going to think twice about repeating the slogans about the wokeness or some new made up holiday that they just created or the latest false flag event. That's going to prove wrong in five hours or five days. The point is that the conversation needs a rebalancing. For two years, people weren't allowed to talk about the obvious reality of election fraud on Twitter. So all the people out there talking about how legitimate Joe Biden is and Joe Biden's doing this and Joe Biden's doing that and Joe Biden in Afghanistan was not that bad and Joe Biden is uniting the world behind Ukraine. All of that just existed with no pushback whatsoever and certainly no discussion of the fact that Joe Biden isn't a legitimate president who won an election in the first place. And that's the sort of stuff that needs changing. But Elon Musk's most important post from yesterday, in my mind, is this one. A guy named Colin Wright wrote, the massive immune response we are seeing from left-wing media and big tech to Elon Musk's commitment to free speech on Twitter should frighten you. It has revealed their rabid obsession for complete narrative control. This is a battle they cannot be allowed to win. And Elon responded, this is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. And let's think about that in relation to the track that we have been on for a while now. Censorship has been scaling up and up and up. Initially, we were told that it was just online content moderation. They had to make sure there was no spam, no illegal material on there. No one was being doxxed. No one was being made the victim of revenge porn and stuff, stuff that actually sounded fairly serious and like good reasons to take down content that a lot of people could agree with because that content, for the most part, is definitionally not part of free speech. But then it became monitoring hate speech, and they can apply the term hate speech to any group they deem marginalized and any level of criticism that targets any member of that group, even if the criticism is totally unrelated to the person's identity as a member of that group. And they just keep scaling it up and scaling it up. But still, fairly rational people were like, well, yeah, but there's no reason why someone needs to go online and then hear all of this awful stuff about them and people like them. And hey, that's just fine. I understand that in principle. Unfortunately, that's not applied in practice at all. How come they're allowed to say absolutely terrible things about white people or about Trump supporters or about QAnon? And pretty quickly, everybody began to realize, wait, this isn't really so much about hate speech as it is about keeping certain people and certain viewpoints off the platform, not allowing them to have a public voice in the place that people look to to hear the voice of the public. And so Alex Jones gets taken off. Milo Yiannopoulos gets taken off for making fun of the Ghostbusters remake and Leslie Jones, that crazy actress from Saturday Night Live. And still nobody really complained because these were just some extremists, some fringe voices out there on the edge. They were saying things that don't comport with what we want out of polite society. Except the thing is, with free speech and in a free society, you can't just go around expecting to be able to enforce your view about what constitutes polite society. And then the cancel culture started. And that wasn't considered targeted harassment by the people who ran Twitter and the elements of the regime government that worked in concert to censor people, it's not targeted harassment if the online mob comes to destroy you for something you've said. It's only targeted harassment if people on the other side don't like something that people in the regime have said. Like Taylor Lorenz, if you don't like something that Taylor Lorenz says, you're going to get in 
big trouble. And so we did that for a while. We did that throughout Trump's first term, throughout the Me Too phase of that, throughout the Women's March phase of that. And the entire time we were flooded with miss and dis and malinformation, all of the Russiagate stuff, the P-tape, the very fine people on both sides, just lie after lie after lie was promoted by Twitter. The response to those lies was deboosted. It was hidden. It was censored. So the public would just understand that regardless of where their opinions came down, whatever their particular point of view was, the central narrative, the underlying operative belief would still just be true. It wasn't, hey, Trump said this and other people being like, no, he didn't. Here's the videotape. It was Trump said this. Let's argue about how it's okay to feel when something like this gets said. It avoids the conversation completely. But all those lies, those are not malinformation, misinformation, disinformation. Those are just fine because they help the regime and the regime controls the censorship, which means the regime gets to decide what speech they think is okay. And then we get into COVID and then we get into elections and then we get into the insurrection and everything else. And all of a sudden, any dissent from the regime position at all is eligible to be censored at any time. All of it gets deboosted and it gets hidden so that people don't actually have to reckon with the true counter narrative. And eventually we end up here. We end up in this place. And I want to read Elon's tweet one more time. This is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. It might more correctly say, if free speech is lost in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. We actually have it slightly better than some other places do, as hard as that is to believe. But for as long as America's government and America's military and the United States of America as a country has the international influence and power that it does. What comes out of this country is going to, in some way, dictate what else is happening in the world. If we don't have free speech here, then America falls. And if America falls, what happens in the rest of the world? Who ends up controlling American society? and American resources, and the American military, because we are edging ever closer to the tyranny he's talking about. This isn't like if Elon doesn't get his way, we will eventually see tyranny. Free speech in America has been lost in a very meaningful way for years now. We have this misunderstanding that unless there is total censorship, then we still have some version of free speech. That gets it backwards. Unless there is total free speech, we have some version of censorship. And we are nearing a point of total censorship, not mild censorship. This isn't mild censorship just because you might still have your Instagram account or your Facebook account or your Twitter account. That just means you haven't said the wrong things yet or the wrong people haven't noticed. But we're getting to a point where not only are people not going to be allowed to say the wrong things, dissenting things, things that contradict the central narrative, in some way, you're not going to be able to say those things. And you think, well, no one is going to stop me from saying what I want around my family and my friends. Well, is that true? Think about it. Is that true? How many times have you silenced yourselves? That should be the first clue. But there are actually ways to shut you up around your family and friends. And I am talking about you in your own voice speaking to other people. This is the sort of thing that the surveillance state enables, especially once we get into a system of social credit scores. And once we get into a cashless central bank digital currency. What happens when they can read everything you say online and their algorithms flag you every time you say the no-no words? Oh, maybe you just slipped up this one time, but they're going to be watching for the next time. And if you develop a pattern of behavior, ooh, you're in trouble. You're going to go around 
and visit with people who might not be as good a servant of the state as you are. They're not as well behaved as you are. Well, what happens if your phone hangs out next to their phone for too long? They could flag you for that. What happens if their phone or your phone or some other device around the house and Alexa, your smart TV, your smart toaster. And I know this sounds crazy, but that's not crazy. That is just where it's going. What happens when those devices pick up what you're saying and they determine that your conversation is totally inappropriate? Can they cut you off from your finances? Yeah. They can. What happens when you have an electric car? Can they make it so you can't drive? Yeah, they can. We don't have the vaccine ID yet, but that's not for lack of trying from the regime. They're still going forward with that. At least they're trying to. Joe Biden was just in Bali, I believe it was, last week, signing off agreements, attempting to enable vaccine ID. So if you're not up to date on your subscription to the vaccine or whatever they decide they want to inject in you next, well, then you can't go to the grocery store or you can't go to see a concert or you can't go to a restaurant or whatever the thing is that you want to do. They're able to restrict all of your behavior until you are willing to comply with the state and behave the way they want you to behave. How complete does the tyranny need to be? Before you understand that we are on a direct path, a collision course with that exact form of tyranny, unless people wake up, Elon Musk is exactly right. This is indeed a battle for the future of civilization. Does that sound dramatic? Yeah, maybe it does sound dramatic. It also happens to be exactly where we are and world events should make that really clear. People were trying three weeks ago. To start a kinetic World War III with Russia, I should say the kinetic phase of World War III with Russia because of a false flag attack on Poland. We have the Nord Stream pipeline attack. We have the Crimean bridge attack. We have Nazis in Ukraine. We have biological weapons labs funded and run by the DOD in Ukraine. We have unrest in China. We have a stolen election in Brazil with tens of millions of people asking the military to take the side of the people and prevent the deranged communist criminal Lula da Silva from becoming president. We have stolen elections in America, an energy crisis in Europe, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. So yeah, the battle for the future of civilization does sound dramatic, but it's also completely and entirely accurate, except to people like Adam Kinzinger, who would be very, very happy to see a kinetic World War III begin with Russia because Adam Kinzinger is under existential threat if the regime doesn't win. Adam Kinzinger is a traitor and a criminal who's committed crimes against the United States of America and its citizens. Of course, he wants to pretend that none of this is happening. So Elon Musk tweeted that. And shortly after Adam Kinzinger quote tweeted him and wrote, it's Twitter, man, not World War Three. And there is this strange derangement from normies and people who believe that they're centrists, all these people in the middle They really believe that nothing really strange is going on because their lives haven't changed. And the fact that they believe this should indicate that their lives have not been changed in the last few years of these massive, concurrent, history-making crises happening in America. Their lives haven't changed, at least not for the worse. For the most part, they've continued to benefit from all this stuff. And many of these people believe that they're like on the cutting edge of the cultural conversation. They're very, very concerned with Nick Fuentes and with Kanye West. Ooh, Kanye West walked out of the interview with Tim Pool. Oh, a world changing event. Let's talk about it for the next 24 hours. Let's pretend everything is fine everywhere and just play video games and watch sports and talk about HBO all the time. Let's talk about how necessary it is to keep Mitch McConnell in power. 
Let's talk about how we're going to fix our elections by simply learning how to ballot harvest better than the regime. You get it, idiots? Go along with all of it. Go right back to sleep. There's no battle for the future of civilization happening right now. There's no World War Three. And yeah, sure, the most powerful people and entities in the world have infiltrated governments all around the world, multiple governing bodies, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the World Trade Organization. You get all of them together with the philanthropists. You get them all on the same side as the bankers. And then they just start putting everything into place around the world. They build up infrastructure in countries. They create or capture entire industries in those countries. They align with transnational corporations to eliminate competition so that those corporations can operate unobstructed around the world, reaping massive profits. And the power just continues to funnel into that centralized hierarchy of global communism. That is a total takeover of everything. That is what they want. You can see the system as it progresses. You know what their goals are. They don't hide them. They write them in reports. They do studies supporting their goals. They tell everyone about them. All we have to do is listen, but people don't often because people can't. They're not exposed to the ideas because free speech is gone. We're not almost there. We are there. This is the encroachment of tyranny across not only our society, but across the entire world. The only way we're able to fight back against that is with free speech. And Elon Musk, for whatever his prior faults might be, for whatever his other interests are, for however weird he might be, for his contributions to transhumanism or the green agenda or whatever else, all that matters if he restores free speech to the global public square, he is going to do one of the most significant things in probably all of human history. And if you don't want to credit it to him, that's just fine. It's not only him doing it. There is obviously something much larger at play, and I can't pretend to accurately describe what that is at this point, but I'm looking for it. I'm paying attention to it. I hope to recognize it as soon as it becomes available. But we also have to pay attention to the other side of this. As Twitter loosens up, that might suggest that down the road, hopefully not far down the road, we'll be getting other parts of the internet back. But it's not because these other companies are done trying to keep that censorship regime going. This is from the Google blog today in Brussels, fighting misinformation online. They just had a Brussels summit. According to Ipsos agency, 29% of people surveyed this year in Central Europe and the Baltic expressed being strongly affected by disinformation in the media. And the trend is echoed internationally. Every day, millions of people use Google and YouTube to access accurate information and help them sort the facts from fiction. We take the challenge of fighting the spread of misinformation online very seriously, but it's not something we can do alone. Today, Google, in partnership with YouTube, the European University Institute, and Kaluste Gulbenkian Foundation, okay, is convening European policymakers, NGOs, media organizations, academics, and tech companies to collaborate and share knowledge about tackling misinformation. Over 920 people in Brussels and online will join the discussion with talks led by experts from across the misinformation landscape. Wow, they got 920 censorship experts to discuss additional ways to implement censorship, which is strange because in every poll Elon Musk runs, Millions of people around the world make it very clear that they don't want censorship. But hey, you see, the thing is, people don't actually know what's best for them. That's why we need experts to tell everybody what's going to be good for everybody. I mean, obviously, relative to the agenda priorities already expressed by the experts. 
Today, we are announcing additional ways we are furthering media literacy efforts through partnerships and initiatives across Europe. Google and YouTube are announcing a $13.2 million grant for the International Fact-Checking Network to launch a new global fact-check fund to support their network of 135 fact-checking organizations from 65 countries covering over 80 languages. Building on our previous work to address misinformation, this is Google and YouTube's single largest grant in fact-checking. So the solution to this information problem, this disinformation problem, is actually just to once again expand the capabilities of the Ministry of Truth. We don't need more speech. We need more people telling us what we're not allowed to say. It's actually pretty incredible that they still have this thing going. There are, I guess, people out there who still believe fact checks. As part of Google's commitment to fight disinformation in Central and Eastern Europe, we're also supporting civil society and research efforts. Google.org is providing $2.5 million in grant funding to TechSoup Europe to launch an accelerator fund and will help NGOs fight against disinformation, along with another grant supporting, this is real by the way, Demagogue in building its fact-checking ecosystem across the region. Their fact-checking organization is literally called Demagogue. By the way, it's worth noting here that what they're doing is dishing out money to organizations and NGOs. All they are doing is filtering money around in different places to keep regime-friendly actors going and to expand their capacity. The cover story is that they're actually doing something legitimate here. They're actually fixing a problem, that problem being online disinformation. Well, first off, that's not a real problem. And second of all, giving money to NGOs and more censorship experts doesn't fix the non-existent problem. Additionally, Ipsos recently published research on the extent to which people are exposed to disinformation in the region. The research is the first of a series of projects conducted in cooperation with the Central European Digital Media Observatory, a research and monitoring hub within Charles University and supported by Google. Gosh, it sounds like a dream. Just imagine all the little children thinking one day I'll grow up and work for the censorship regime. I'm going to fight disinformation. And I say that like half laughing, but now I'm just depressed. There probably are parents out there inculcating these authoritarian and tyrannical ideas in their children. These poor little maskies. I cannot believe the lives they're going to have as a result of all of this communism. It makes me very sad, actually. I'm not making fun of it. YouTube has launched a media literacy initiative hit pause to help people assess the content they watch and share by providing tips on identifying different manipulation tactics used to spread misinformation. This will roll out across Europe in the coming months. YouTube also raises up authoritative sources in search results and recommendations and connects people with information panels for certain topics prone to misinformation that point people to third-party sources for additional context. You got that? Isn't that great? So if they're not able to completely censor the content offline altogether, they'll leave it there and then say to people, hey, that stuff's wrong. If you want to be right, look back over here. You have no idea what we have for you. We have all of the true stuff you could ever want to know about this issue that absolutely has to be false. I mean, guys, if what you just saw wasn't false, that would mean that all of us are the bad guy. And you know you're not the bad guy, right? You know you're not the bad guy, which means we can't be the bad guy. I mean, you love Apple. You love Google. You love Amazon. What do you love more than having knockoff Chinese-made headphones delivered to your house in six hours. There's actually nothing better in the entire world than that. These new initiatives build upon our work at Google and YouTube to create products and tools to help people around the world better understand what they are seeing online. For instance, about this result, 
a feature in search which provides critical context on a result before you visit the page was recently expanded to additional languages and has been used more than 2.4 billion times. Isn't that fantastic? Google, a platform that already drastically reduces and limits your possible search results so that you will never actually find information that contradicts the central narrative, has now added an additional feature to let you know that if you see a link on there that might contradict the central narrative, you're going to need more context before you even click. We also launched a super searchers initiative to train librarians and library staff across 12 European countries on media literacy best practices, including how to use these tools and our Google Safety Engineering Center for Content Responsibility in Dublin, opened in 2021 to provide greater transparency to policymakers, researchers, and regulators on our work tackling the spread of harmful and illegal content. It is amazing how they construct sentences. They always try to push every brand name, every part of the narrative, all of the slogans into one sentence. They want every thought to remain attached to the narrative and attached to the slogans at all times. And what in the world are they talking about with librarians and library staff? That sounds like a very strong effort to remove books from libraries. All librarians have to do is know where the books go and sign them out. And you're thinking, well, wait, that's not all they have to do. They have to decide what books the library is going to bring in. And there you go. That is my point exactly. Google's not trying to tell them how to use the Dewey Decimal System. It sounds like what Google is describing is a high-tech book burning. Jigsaw, a team within Google that develops research and technology to counter online harms, has also partnered with local experts and academics to develop approaches to both directly counter disinformation and help people more easily identify and refute it. Oh, our saviors have finally arrived. The team recently deployed a series of pre-bunking videos as a preemptive tactic to help counter anti-refugee narratives across Central and Eastern Europe. Oh, wow. Anti-refugee narratives? Who has an anti-refugee narrative? Oh, wait. They're talking about anti-illegal immigration narratives, which are really anti-human trafficking narratives which are really anti-human slavery narratives and anti-replacement of population narratives, which, by the way, is exactly what they're doing. Not a conspiracy theory, not a conspiracy theory at all. And it actually doesn't matter how you feel about it. Maybe you think it's an excellent thing. Maybe you love multiculturalism. Doesn't change the underlying fact. And it definitely doesn't change whether or not People should be able to discuss it. People should be allowed to discuss it. The word allowed shouldn't even come up in these situations. It's insane that we've gotten this far. But they are now pre-bunking. What does that mean when you take the broad view? From the regime's perspective, what does that mean? What are they telling us when they decide to begin pre-bunking contradictory narratives? Well, they're telling us they're about to do something really, really bad that a lot of people are not going to like. They're anticipating massive blowback and figuring out how to manage it and deal with it and silence it. And they do all this under the guise of protecting our democracy. But how can that be true? How can it be true that what they're doing has the approval of the majority of the people affected? When they know that what they're about to do is going to shock the conscience of so many people that silencing all dissent becomes necessary. And you might say, well, illegal immigration and human trafficking and human slavery and the replacement of populations. Sure, it's ongoing, but we're kind of just used to it now. It's not something we think about every day. But the first question is, well, how much worse do you think it's possible for it to get? It could get a whole lot worse. But also, 
This is just the warm-up act. What are they going to pre-bunk next? What are they going to need to pre-bunk next? Because it is so shocking to the conscience of so many people that they are prepared to expect massive blowback to the point where all they can do is silence dissent. What are they planning to do? Well, to a large extent, we can just read their documents and they will tell us what they're planning to do. But regardless of the particular plan, the solution to all of it is the people collectively understanding what the regime will do. Adam Kinzinger might not think this is World War III, but then again, Adam Kinzinger pretended to cry in a hearing for an illegitimate sham committee investigating the American version, the regime's version in America of the Reichstag fire while he was talking to another grown man who was pretending to cry, who helped enact the American Reichstag fire. So Adam Kinzinger cannot be trusted about anything. And it turns out that Elon Musk is exactly right. It is, in fact, a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. That is the sort of quote from the sort of person with the sort of power that we might be reading hundreds of years from now. Let's just hope he's taking this problem as seriously as he says he is and that he follows through on everything he says he intends to do. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!